from Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter. From Manhattan, New York, I'm Kat Walensky. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast. And Kat, we're, we're thrilled to have you as a co-host this week to talk to you about beer. Thank you very much. Yeah, but before we do, let's talk about some wine. Are you aiming to cut back on calories and alcohol but still want to enjoy a delicious glass of wine? Mind and Body Wines are your perfect solution. These low-calorie, low-alcohol wines are only 90 calories per serving and are vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, and made without added sugar. With Mind and Body Wines, you can sip without sacrifice. You can learn more at mindandbodywines.com. All right, guys. So uh, what's going on this week? What, what, have we been, what have we been drinking? I'm going to start and say I've been drinking nothing because I am doing a semi-dry January. No. Yeah. You are not. Yeah. This might be a boring segment because that was going to be my answer. No! <laughs> I do have something to talk about, but but yes, I am also I, – I always take January off. And, Traitors! And, hey, let's be careful using that term these days. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I have immense sympathy to anyone who, uh, who upon – seeing what's happened in the country recently felt the need to drink despite what they might've said, but now I have so far held strong. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing semi by meaning Josh and I and Naomi, we all sort of said we we're going to do this. We're just, we're going to just have, have, you know, some wine or beer on Fridays and Saturdays. Oh, oh. Okay. I feel like. Oh. Okay. Okay. That's fine. But I am trying to take a little bit of a break just because it was like, especially once we got to the holidays, I was like, Oh yeah, sure. Like whatever. Let's have cocktails every night. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny yeah. how that happened. Like, even though we didn't, I mean, at least in my household of two, we had no holidays celebrations to speak of, like maybe a Zoom here and there. But somehow I also got into the habit of like having a beer every night, like having a, you know, movie night with friends over Zoom and like having a couple of drinks. And it's, it does catch up with you. <laughs> it's like, I mean, and like, look, it's, it's a point where it's like, you know, it doesn't feel like it's, uh, unhealthy but also just like do i really have like do i need yeah. a night or like do i need like to always have a bottle of wine like so it feels more routine than celebratory in a way right and so this and it feels like again this like mindful drinking just sort of like thinking about like yeah I, you know i think i i've i was talking to someone else who said you know they're looking forward to post pandemic when like you're going out for a drink to go out for a drink Right. And not just to drink right now at home because you're kind of bored. And it's like the only way to really like split, you know, the day to the night. It's like, well, totally. <laughs> I think about it when we, when we were going to the office, there were so many nights that I, you know, probably four to five nights a week, I actually didn't have a drink. Cause I was like leaving the office. I think like the, you know, the hustle and bustle of like the transition from work to home, you get home, you like are working on a bunch of projects and then you like make dinner. And then it's like nine o'clock. Like, well, and you go to bed. Yeah. I have a drink right now, right? Like once you're kind of you're, you're kind of unwound through the process of leaving. Yes, and everything exactly. Oh man, as I have said to you before, Adam, and this is true for you too, Kat. All that shit changes when you have a kid. Because let me tell you, <laughs> instead of marking the instead of marking the period of time from when you stop working to when you are in your evening, there is a big. The child is asleep. Now I can relax. And for me and my wife, that almost always involved drinking something. <laughs> we. We, I would say, outside of January, <clears throat> are are the kind of people who I would. We probably had even pre-pandemic, but obviously it was more uh, noticeable then. Would have at least a bottle of wine basically every night, um, with the exception of we don't typically drink on Mondays, just to kind of give ourselves a day where we say we don't. Yeah. Um, but I actually wanted to ask you guys a question because it's been it's been very uh, pertinent 
in in January for me and my wife, which is so I got into a not an argument, of course, just a conversation with a friend at saying and I was saying, oh, you know, I the one one of the things I drink when in January when I'm not drinking is bitters and soda. And he was like, well, actually, bitters have alcohol in them. And I was like, OK, yeah, but like not I mean, they're relatively high proof, but I'm putting, you know, I don't know, uh, an eighth of an ounce of bitters in my soda water. Like and so, you know, whatever we had a good natured. I'm actually before, curious but- about that. Like how. How alcoholic is a like a bitters highball? Uh, well, I mean, bitters themselves have high levels of alcohol. I mean, it's how you get all the yeah. all the flavor in there. Very concentrated. It, yeah, but but on the other hand, you know, you have to use you know like even a teaspoon of bitters is like a ton of it. So and that yeah. has you know I mean that's like having a teaspoon of whiskey or something. Like you're not going to think of that as like having a drink. Right. But I was wondering. Am I like, are you, is bitters and uh, bitters and soda something that either of you ever drink or am I just kind of out here on my, I mean, I know I'm not on my own, but, but that is one of my favorite, like it almost like I'm having a drink cause it's got some of the flavor profile, but it's obviously essentially non-alcoholic. I've never had that before. Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't drink that, but, um, I've always, I have been like wondering about it. <laughs> that makes sense. Like it sounds so delicious or like a splash of Aperol in a seltzer or something. It sounds really good too. Like I'm not the person, I mean, I'm going to have a real hot take here, but like, I know you two will disagree because I've like, I've, I've heard you talk about it, but like, I'm not the type of person to drink a non-alcoholic version of an alcoholic drink. I'm just like not interested. Like I, I'd rather have water. I'd rather have, you know, a juice or some, I don't drink soda, but like, or, or like iced tea or lemonade or whatever. Like I'm not interested in non-alcoholic beer. I don't care. You can tell me all you want that, like, you know, that certain brewery makes good stuff. I don't care. Like I'm just not interested. I'm you not would care inter- if you actually drank it. No, I really wouldn't. Like that's not because that's not why I'm drinking it. Like I'm not drinking it for the flavor. Like I also do like, and I think that's what's so silly about it. Like I do like the effects of how alcohol relaxes me and it helps me unwind. Like there's other things I enjoy drinking that are non-alcoholic, right? Like I am not so interested in like the the brand that everyone knows that's the really expensive you know spirit that is non-alcoholic. Like for me at least, yeah. that's not the what I'm interested. Spirit is a whole other thing. I don't think. Spirits are really there yet as like yeah I mean an everyday I, replacement but I but for me that's but I am interested in like low alcohol right like lower alcohol cocktails lower alcohol beers wines like that I'm interested in because there's not I mean I don't want to get like blotto every day but for for like the I don't know that's just but that's my personal but, so preference. Adam what I'm wondering is does this mean you don't actually like the taste of like beer. I mean that's valid I know, to say. I don't even want to. No, like... I I love the taste of beer, but like I. But like, then, but I then, like why is a beer that doesn't get you drunk a bad thing? Like I love it. I'm not saying that that there's I, I'm I've I have not and will not replace the alcohol you know the beer beer with alcohol in my life with non alcoholic beer. Yeah. But but a good tasting non alcoholic beer is a thing to me that is a really welcome addition to the lineup, whether it's interspersed in between another beer or two so that I don't get as drunk or just as an alternative on a night where again, you know, you got to wake up early and do shit or you have, we're at dinner with a kid and you can't, you know, start the relaxation process as early as you can, perhaps if you don't have kids, I just like, I think I get where you're coming from and, and we'll talk more about this probably maybe later in this conversation or another one to come. But I just think like, I the reason I like bitters and soda is I have come uh, become accustomed to enjoying the taste of the bitters flavors. and of bitter things. And yes, would I prefer to be drinking a cocktail? 
Sure, on one level, yes. That's why dry January is not fun. It's not something I'm like, man, January is my favorite month, but I do it for a variety of other reasons. And I still want to have a flavor that I enjoy. And the truth is that outside of coffee and tea, it's actually really hard to find adult beverages that are non-alcoholic, that are bitter. The thing I don't like, I mean, I guess iced tea, which to me is not a thing I want in the middle of the winter. So to me, like lemonade is delicious, but lemonade is sweet and sour. I don't want necessarily just those flavors. Soda is sweet and sour, and I don't want those flavors. So to me, bitters and soda has the benefit of of giving me a part of the taste profile that a cocktail or a beer or even wine might give me, but I don't have alcohol in it, so I feel okay drinking it in January. It's not yeah. a thing I drink all the time every uh, you know year round, because most Here's of the like year the I set yeah, well, or at least I like bitter, and I want bitter in my drinks. And in January, I get that through bitters and sodas, and the rest of the year, I get it through almost anything else. Yeah, I mean, I I like like sparkling water and lemon, or yeah. so like that. Okay. Like that's what I, like that's what I'll drink. So, Adam, or, you're sour. I'm bitter. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you are bitter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's like I, again. I think it's everyone's personal preference. Like, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't drink any of these things if I didn't also like the flavor of them. But I just, for me, I guess also I see it as like, oh, there's also added benefits of just drinking water, right? Well, or uh, Water is so, just water. There's not Exactly. Like, and it's very good for you. It's so, not a water podcast. Okay. You know, so so that's that's what I, that's how I think about it. We spent a long time now talking about basically dry January. Seriously. If you're sour and he's bitter, then I guess that makes me the balanced one because I enjoy both alcoholic and non-alcoholic <laughs> beverages. Oh. I was gonna go with all salty, day, but that's all okay. month. Um, salty. <laughs> so a little salty. Um, <laughs> Maybe sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's it is interesting though, right? Like, and I do think I've never. I always have taken. I mean, we talked about this on the podcast before. I've always taken two to three days a week off. So I mean, I guess I'm only really adding three, two to three more on my week. But it is interesting to to, to recognize how much, like as you're saying, Zach, you do miss it. But that it is also like a like it is a sort of nice reset of like a thinking much more intentionally about when you have one as opposed to just like, oh, you know, like this is really stressful. So I'm going to drink. Here is my last dry January thing. And then we should move on, which is the one other thing I do love about it is I get to spend the entire month of January planning the first few things I will drink on February 1st. And that (laughs) is a lot of fun to me. (laughs) <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so let's get into this this week's topic, which is the top 50 beers uh, list that we just put out yes. um, that, Kat, you helped spearhead. Um, so obviously, we do this list every year. Um, and I think this this list is interesting because there's a lot of uh, – it, it sort of shows a lot of trends that are happening right now in beer. Um, I think what's been really interesting, and we talked about this on the last pod – on the Predictions podcast, right, Zach, which was – a little bit about how you're seeing this continued, what, what none of us really thought was going to happen, which did, which is this continued premiumization of beer. I think, you know, there was this belief that in the pandemic, we were going to start seeing a, a massive return to like macros or just much more affordable beers. And that doesn't really seem to have been the case. Like, it seems like a lot of breweries have still put out these very high, high end, much more expensive beers, and they seem to still be selling pretty well. Um, so I guess that's yep. what I like to start off with first is like, you know, is, do, do, do we see that in this list too, that it's really still, there's a lot of premium stuff out there that people are still cranking out? Absolutely. I think um, it is really interesting to see where it ended up at the end of the year, because I remember you and I were having conversations earlier on in the year thinking like, you know, the list is going to look really different this year. No one's going out. 
like I'm not getting beers, I'm not visiting breweries. And we kind of thought like, well, it might just be uh, a list that like acknowledges I can only drink brands that are at my grocery store. And then we'll be just like celebrating that. But it ended up being a really good mix of some of those like, you know, a couple of legacy brands that really came back into our lives this year. And then a lot of really cool new stuff too. Like it's just, I don't want to just go <laughs> to other half again because I know they come up a lot, but I have never drank so much other half in my life than I have this year. And that's because despite the inaccessibility of so much else in the drinks world, I actually had access to these beers for the first time that didn't require, you know, waiting in line or being in a crowded uh, tap room full of tourists or what have you. Like I was having it delivered to my door and, you know, lots of other breweries too. Um, And they, they are are just, it's crazy to like be back on uh, that wavelength of like how frequently they're creating new brands and releasing new recipes and, I think what was really cool about them this year was they took that that just great marketing that they have, you know, with the cool designs and labels and their acronyms. And, you know, we went beyond DDH this year to HDHC. And it seems like it could be a gimmick, but it really isn't because they're actually part, like pairing that with educational information for people so like if you're buying these beers you're probably following them on instagram and you can read all about what that you know new hop or new technique is and they're starting to in my opinion just be more transparent about those kinds of things like this is where we got these hops from like they have a a pair out right now actually that are two of the same um beer it's called dank squares (laughs) and it's a strata um IPA and one of them it's like two different lots of hops that they got these that they sourced from so it's you know it's like the difference will be very minor for someone that doesn't you know taste hops for a living um but there's like the two co-brands like one the same label but one's pink and one's green and it's lot one and lot two and you can you can buy both and kind of compare them so yeah, I think we saw a lot of hop innovation and um, just like breweries still, despite all this struggle, still like digging into their R&D and trying out new things and really like perfecting or, you know, honing in on some of these um, hopping techniques and other techniques. Kat, I have a question for you about the list that that I thought about actually earlier in this uh, podcast episode, which is, I think, you know, you talked about early in the pandemic, would the list be all, you know, bargain beer and stuff like that? I think the thought for me heading into this year was, uh, you know, was 2020, would that have been the year of, you know, really um, this inc- this growing trend of low ABV beer, of, you know, sessionable beer, of, you know, people not wanting to, to deal with high alcohol beers. And instead, I think because all of us ended up spending all of our time at home, where, you know, a higher alcohol beer is, you know, you don't have to deal with getting home 
uh, typically. <laughs> um, and the list, I think, is interestingly, and, and maybe understandably in that context, actually has a lot of higher alcohol beers on it, especially at the top. Was that was that something that was just sort of because people at home wanted, I mean, frankly, as Adam was discussing before, they wanted the effect, they wanted the impact, and they wanted the depth of flavor that is pretty hard to find in beers that are lower alcohol. It's just a, the reality of beer making for the most part that that your you know, your your more full bodied, your more intense flavors generally come with higher alcohol levels. I wouldn't say the high alcohol stuff was in the top because it was high alcohol or because people are drinking that more. It's really like... To clarify my question, Kat, real quick, mm-hmm. what, I think maybe what I would ask is, it seems like maybe in a different in a different time, yeah. alcohol content being high would be not a barrier to being highly placed, but would be something that would be more like, eh, some people might be turned off by this 10% ABV beer. Yeah. Uh, but I think maybe in, in this, in this time when we're all, again, all, most of us are stuck at home, that may not, that just might not dissuade someone from drinking it at all. Right. Yeah. I think there is a, like a, a contemplative aspect, like the number one beer Firestone Walkers anniversary ale 24. That was the one that stood out above and beyond everything else because of the, like the crazy, (laughs) like the work that went into this beer is ridiculous. Um, I mean, it blew us away uh, with its flavor and and aroma and everything like that first. And then like digging more into the um, background of the beer afterwards was very revealing. And, And it's, it's like that, that like sit and have a moment, uh, kind of feeling like we, it really like took us aback and, um, you know, it makes you kind of, we're talking about mindful drinking. Like that doesn't just have to be low alcohol or sessionability. It can also be like having like splitting a 12 ounce, 11% alcohol stout or beer, um, with, with a friend or two and like really sitting and enjoying that four ounces, you know, like that's how I, typically drink higher alcohol beers is is like in a little tulip or a snifter and you know you might sit with it for if if you have the whole thing to yourself you'll sit with it for an hour or two like pouring a little bit at a time so I think that uh certainly has something to do with it and at home too I mean I always am sharing my beers with my husband Pat like he's always interested to try everything and it's rare that like I would avoid opening up, you know, an 8% IPA because I'm not going to finish it and I don't want to waste it. Like we've, like I, I always split them or if something ends up being left over, I'll like evaluate it in some way the next day to see how the, the aromas hold up. Or I will sometimes use things in cooking, uh, especially lagers. So yeah. Does that answer your question? There were also a lot of session... Oh, sure, sure. Beers. Obviously, yeah. the list is not all 10% ABV beers. I was yeah. just struck in looking at it that I think for me too, this year, I, when I was drinking, whether it was beer, cocktails, wine, whatever, alcohol content was just less of a concern because there, yeah. I never was going to have to get home afterwards. Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, that's not as much of a concern here because you know we don't drive, or at least I don't. And I, it's been a long time since I've you know gotten so inebriated that I couldn't get myself home, but it is yeah. definitely like more relaxing and there's less to worry about. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, I mean, it's, you're just more comfortable. And I do think it was interesting that like two of the top five beers are over 10%, you know, and then you have a third beer that's over 8%, right? So they were higher alcohol than I think we thought the the world was moving, 
you know, number six, like our six beer Brown's brewing was 10%. Um, you know, so like it, it was something where I think, you know, there was that, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Interesting that this stood out so much to you guys. I I hadn't really uh, considered that. I mean, I think, yeah, but, but I also then wonder too, like, is that, you know, when you, when you create this, it's like, you know, it's the same thing sometimes when you talk about whiskey and we, we talked about this a little bit with the top spirits list. And so I'm mm-hmm. curious what your thought is here. Like sometimes like the higher proof bourbons and, and brown spirits just win because they are so in your face, like, or they, they, they stand out in tastings. Like, yeah. do you think that's also what happened? Like that it's just harder for like a really nuanced lighter alcohol beer to stand out against like oh, you know, the number one beer of the of the year yeah i mean when when like constructing a list it's not only you know like the top 10 beers on this list are not like my personal favorite top 10 beers or someone else's favorite beers uh, on staff it's like right there's a lot that goes into the like the reasoning um behind the ranking as you know and for sure, like when we go into a spirits tasting, we know bourbon is more, it's just, there are more flavors and there's more to contemplate. There's more complexity, you know, like the top 50 wines, it's going to be a lot more red wines in the top 10 um, than anything white or even sparkling. And for beers, yeah, I mean, it's, if, you know, I what I would love to do or to like encourage people to do is look at our other rankings or other buy this booze lists and our, our beer rankings on the site because you know something might be on here in the 20s or 30s or 40s and it might be the best pilsner that i drank this year and i like you know drank that all the time and love it more than i love you know a stout that's higher up in the in the ranking but it's it's just like how it ends up in in these kinds of things it's really difficult actually to rank things that are like so many different styles and so many different um, things that you're working with. Like, what do you think is the most surprising beer? Some of the most surprising beers on this list. Hmm. I would say I was really excited about the, or the pure project leaf Oak aged sour, because I had that once before with my husband and, you know, Adam, I've said this, like we talk about how, we don't drink a lot of sour beers like on the reg because, you know, it's a commitment and it's, it's just like, doesn't agree with everything you wanted to. But, <laughs> um, so I was like shocked by this one that it really tasted like something I was, I'd be drinking in Belgium. And it also felt for lack of a better word, a lot more drinkable. You know, it wasn't, so acidic that it's burning my throat. It wasn't like, you know, so sour that all you're getting is that sour taste. Like I, right. one of my biggest pet peeves is like, and it's really more with kettle soured beers, not barrel aged, but uh-huh. yeah, this was just like awesome. So then I called it in for a sample. Um, and then we tasted it in our, <laughs> our legendary socially distanced outdoor winter <laughs> tasting. Um, at the office, everyone else was also blown away by it and loved it. So I was like, fuck yeah, like this is a really cool beer. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. Like we don't get a lot of, you know, we don't get Pure Project here. They're from San Diego. Um, I had had other beers from them that like their IPA was awesome. Um, they, they do a bunch of different styles and I wasn't expecting this 
to be so good, like as good as it was that it ended up, you know, the number two beer. So I have a question, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about sort of the, some trends and things like that. And I'm wondering, you know, uh, Kat, I remember way back when we had you on a podcast to talk about hazy IPAs and, and how they came to be. And, you know, is your sense in, in, in assembly? <laughs> yeah, I was actually like, in a, I was in the studio, shout out to Nick Patry, our, our former engineer. Oh yeah, um, what's up Nick? Uh, and, uh, and we, I was wondering, you know, is the sense that, uh, that you had in putting this list together that, that the hazy IPA or new England IPA or whatever you want to call it trend is still, I mean, there are definitely some on this list. Is it still as vibrant as ever, or in some sense, has it been boosted by the sort of, you know, increased, uh, access to those beers? Everything's in can now or, or hurt by lack of, of tap of like uh, tap rooms and, and draft houses and stuff. Like where, where does the hazy IPA sit at this moment in your eyes? It still sits on its bright yellow sparkling throne. <laughs> gotcha. Um, no one can take down hazy IPAs. It's not happening. And of course, every brewery suffered in some way this year. And, you know, some larger breweries lost like, 40% of their uh, sale tap room, their sales just because of tap room and, and keg. But um, no, I don't think not even COVID can take hazy IPA or doing on style IPA or even just, I mean, just IPA um, back any notches. I think probably 10 or 12 beers on um, in the top 50 are IPAs and it's almost redundant to call something you know, hazy or New England, like if there's 10, 12 IPAs on this list, then probably 10 of them are hazies. Yeah. I mean, I think hazies, like the, ha- the hazy still is like the most mainstay style right now. I feel like that's this, that's still what I've saw throughout the entire pandemic, the most people drinking the most. Oh yeah. By far, you know, I mean, I thought it was interesting that you have the superhero sidekicks here as number seven. Cause it's, it's, it's available like at the whole foods down the street for me now, like all the time. And how amazing uh, is that? You know, it was crazy. Um, yeah, it's a very good beer. Um, I, I, I definitely really enjoyed it a lot. Again, like I have a hard time with all these cause they, they I'm like, they're expensive. Like I think that the, I mean, I think there's, there was a point when I saw whole foods selling it for like 22 bucks for a four pack. And I was like, I just can't do that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it is a very good beer. Um, and there was so many, right? Like there was, I mean, you can get, it's not, this beer is not on, but um, obviously one of their other ones is, but you know, you can get main beer co at, at whole foods now very easily. You wow, can get that's all, crazy. Yeah. I mean, you can get all the different threes offerings you can get. And it's just, it is crazy how that happened also because of the pandemic. And as you're saying, yeah. like, they were just there, they didn't have the tap room anymore to sell out of. And so they just pushed more into the, you know, the other channel. Right. Um, and I wonder now how, what will happen when like the vaccine comes, if that will change, because a lot of people like, have gotten used to it. Like, do you think these breweries will stop delivery? Cause like you've gotten used to it. Yeah. I right? really and, hope not. <laughs> right. Cause it's like, yeah, like I, I think they, they could lose a lot of consumers Absolutely. if all of a sudden it's like, wait, now I got to go to the brewery again to get this stuff. Sorry. I'm just not that interested. Like I became a huge fan when you were delivering it to me, but now it's like, I'll find what's easier. I do wonder if that will happen to a lot of these people. Um, I, but, you think know, that, you know. I mean, if there's any sort of consumer feedback, um, under consideration, then a majority of these breweries will continue delivery if they have the resources to do so. Because I don't know anybody who's like, man, I really wish like breweries stopped delivering. And, you know, I doubt that there are brewers that are like, oh man, our deliveries are just like 
non-existent. You know, it's like I would never order beer to my house. Like that's absurd. Right. <laughs> never done that in my life, but um, I did it. You know, throughout this year, and I normally would not be spending that much money on beer. First of all, I would never order like buy a, an entire case to myself because I'm not going to drink it um, fast enough, especially if it's hazy IPAs. But that is what we did. And it, it really like, I never felt like such a consumer as I did this right. year. So now I really care about that a lot. I'm like, don't take delivery away because it's, it's really, and from a marketing perspective, you know, so many more people were able to have access to these beers that they normally don't. So I think it would be crazy to, to take that away. So Kat, I have to ask a, a slightly difficult question here, which is, you and Adam are in New York State, uh, in New York City, and, and I, I counted. There are 12 beers from New York State on the list. I am here in Washington State. There are zero beers from Washington State on the list. So what are we doing womp, womp. Uh It's really a distribution issue. I will point out that this list has beers from every region. We have beers from probably like 25 or 30 different states. Um, Washington is not one of them, really, because... I don't have any Washington beers available to me. I mean, yeah, or to the staff. Yeah, it's uh, it's just except not. for you, Zach. But <laughs> well, you I know. mean, me as a New Yorker, like, I mean, blame the three tier system because, or tell me where I can get a Washington brewed beer. It's actually absurd because, you know, it's Washington, it's Yakima. Like, you have you're like near the seat of the birth of all the wonderful American hops that yeah, we that, have that like that yellow fizzy throne that the New England IPA is sitting on is made in Washington State. Yeah. So. I mean all oh, the thanks, yeah. This like that crop is everything. Uh-huh. Um so you know what? Who are the breweries we should be looking for? I mean who should we be requesting samples for for next year? Uh, well, that's an excellent question. And, and I, uh, I would say that one of the things that's kind of fun about this area, like everywhere is that that answer is, is ever evolving. Um, and, and obviously some of it is also a scale issue, as you mentioned, not only is it that the beers may not be available in New York, but I know that for you guys in putting in, in putting this list together, it is important that to some extent, you know, people, readers all over can access some of these beers at a minimum. And, and so there are great small breweries in my, in my neighborhood and in my city that I won't recommend because they're just too small unless you're uh, in Seattle or, or nearby. But a couple of breweries I think are doing really cool things here. Uh, I mean, Fremont Brewing, which has been um, a long, long time sort of mainstay of the industry and it does a lot. Um, Their, their sort of field to ferment beers, their, um, you know, fresh hop beers are really, I think some of the best every year again, you know, uh, not just because of proximity, but also, you know, because breweries in this area are able to work so directly with uh, the hop growers in a way that a brewery in other parts of the country just just can't um, as directly. Uh, And uh, Bale Breaker, which is actually in the Yakima Valley, is another great example of of a brewery that does particularly cool things with hops and a lot of different sort of single uh, variety hop beers and things like that. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Noli, which is actually in Spokane on the other side of the state. Um, And then Rubens Brews, which is also kind of a local brewery here, but a little bigger in size than most of the ones around me. And and again, but, but, you know, part of it too is like one of the cool things about this list, and I think actually is something that I wanted to say anyhow, is like a great thing about the American brewing industry is that 
there are so many great breweries everywhere. And so obviously no list is going to be totally comprehensive. It's, it's impossible. You know, uh, it, you, you know, the, the vine pair team does an amazing job of putting together as comprehensive a list as, as can be done. But the cool thing Thank about you. drinking beer in America in in this time is like, you can, it's, you got to work to find, to not find good beer. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Totally, for sure. And like, this isn't like, uh, this list isn't, isn't like, these are the, f- 50 best beers, don't drink anything else. Like, don't explore your own neighborhood. Like, that's the most irritating, like, response to these things. Like, look at the top beers and look at styles that you like and then try to find, you know, similar beers or breweries in your neighborhood. Look who they've collaborated with. Like, breweries are all, like, everyone is friends all over. Like, there's a network. It's, like, it's so much more a community than any other drinks totally. um drinks business or business in general really like if you see something on this list that sounds like something you would love look them up like see who they're hanging out with like just look up, go to your local brewery and try some beers like it's just you know so i mean this is not about the uh you know the actual beer inside the vessel but uh what was the best designed package Oh my God, how can you ask me that? Um, Well, the first one that comes to mind is I voted today. That was uh, Pale Ale by Non Sequitur, which is a, no. well, I wouldn't, they are a nomadic brand, but they're in Brooklyn. Um, And they opened a space that's kind of like a semi-permanent pop-up. But anyway, this was part of a, campaign to raise voting awareness earlier this year and it also happened to be one of the best pale ales that we drank this year i like that i like that design i'm looking at it now i can see this is just like one example i mean go to their website or go to their instagram not so is like just adorable (laughs) a lot of the branding is uh centered around their lovely dog nelson who is named for a hop of course um, and you know, it's very, very like lighthearted and whimsical. And that's kind of a, it's one of the ones that stands out among this very beautiful, colorful craft beer label landscape. But, but yeah. What's your favorite design? Oh, uh, I mean, I probably have, I was looking, I think I have three on oh. here that I think are really well done in terms of design. Um, I think wandering vine is beautiful. And very much stands out. I also really like the the grim, just because oh, yeah, it, it's it's really nice. And then really actually, pretty. it's all the way at the t- at the top of the list. Uh, but I think in terms of like modern and very clean design, what point that w- yes, I yeah. think it's a it's a very well done can that sort of like pops it and is. That again is like would make someone grab it off the shelf. I mean, the others are a lot of them are like very then the, the rest is what you would consider like classic craft beer. You know, there's some. There's some, you know, really classic like the Victory, yeah. et cetera, that, that is cool and we all know. But I think those are three that feel very modern to me in a way that uh, that I, I just thought was really cool when I was, you know, again, scrolling through the list. I'm like, oh, wow. And you and I think it's interesting to ask that question here because it is the one sort of alcohol that takes design really seriously. Yeah. Um, and it's always cool to see what what the breweries come up with. Yeah. It's almost like old hat at this point. I mean, everyone's designs are so are so cool. Yeah. Well, and especially in a year when even more than ever, you know, your ability to to pop on a grocery store shelf was the difference between succeeding and failing, totally. uh, you know, in a way that 
maybe has never been as true. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Well, guys, this has been a really interesting conversation as always. Kat, thanks for joining us this week. Thank you so much for having me. It's always fun to talk about beer with you guys. I know. And, uh, and Zach, you know, I'll see you next week. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced by myself and Zach Jabal. It is also mixed and edited by him. Yeah, Zach, we know you do a lot. I'd also like to thank the entire Vine Pair team, including my co-founder, Josh, and our associate editor, Kat Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Are you aiming to cut back on calories and alcohol but still want to enjoy a delicious glass of wine? Mind and Body Wines are your perfect solution. These low-calorie, low-alcohol wines are only 90 calories per serving and are vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, and made without added sugar. With Mind and Body Wines, you can sip without sacrifice. You can learn more at mindandbodywines.com.